It is time for our midday program here on a Monday. KRVN, thank you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Appreciate you being here with us. It is a typical, busy sort of Monday, not only for us, but for you, I'm sure, also. Bob Rogan's in here. Clay Patton will be in here shortly. And Susan Littlefield is in here right now. What do you got for us today, Susan? Well, thanks, Scott. Here's what's happening on a midday from the farm team on a Monday. Rebel kicks everything off at 1219 with the former Miss Rodeo Nebraska and what she's doing to give back. At 1245, we'll catch up with Brandy Schultz here at the Nebraska State Fair. She recaps the 4-H weekend and quite the success it was. And then Alex wraps everything up at 117 with new branding program for products grown and made in Nebraska. That's a midday from the farm team on a Monday. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate it. Uh, sports coming up in just a little bit. couple big things in sports to talk about. Actually, it's, a, it's an event-filled day, but uh, the first is a sad story about John Thompson, one of the greats of uh, college basketball coaching. And the thing I remember so much about John Thompson is he, he's, he was six foot ten, and so... And he was a, just a big, burly guy, and, and he just dominant, stood dominant on a court wherever he was, turned the Georgetown Hoyas, uh, predominantly academic school, into a power in basketball, won an NCAA tournament. We'll hear more about John Thompson passing away today. Also, uh, big news for Nebraska baseball. Will Bold continues to do a nice job. The head coach getting some good athletes to come and play for the Huskers. That is good to see. News from the NFL, Jacksonville Jaguars give up on their number four draft pick from just a couple years ago. I tell you, running backs in the NFL, uh, they just their shelf life isn't very long, that's for sure. And then we'll talk today is the trade deadline day, 3 o'clock today in the Major League Baseball. Last day to do trades, there's been a flurry of activity and especially by one particular team, I'm not going to say I won't. I won't uh, give the in on the name just yet, but uh, they are near and dear to my hearts, and apparently my heart. Just I just have one near and dear to my heart, and uh, they're apparently going for it. So uh, pretty interesting to see, but always a flurry of activity on trade uh, on trade deadline day, and uh, so we'll take a look at that. That's all coming up. In sports, as we turn it over to Bob Brogan and stocks, and uh, stock uh, stocks are sharply down, at least on the Dow Jones Industrial Average right now, Bob. The Dow taking it on the chin right now. The Nasdaq is up um, a little bit, a moderate amount. Uh, global stocks kind of uh, back and forth this morning after Wall Street turned in its fifth straight weekly gain, and China's manufacturing growth held steady. United Airlines says it's dropping a controversial $200 fee on consumers who change a ticket for travel within the United States. Apparently that was not a popular item, and so lots of folks are, hmm. you know, shouting, giving a shout-out to that. Chinese telecom giant Huawei is ending its oldest major sporting sponsorship deal in the world, a nine-year relationship with uh, the Canberra Raiders in Australia. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, let's uh, continue with 
Our midday conversation, we'll turn it over to Clay. Clay. Thanks there, Scott. As we talk with Mike Zuzlo, Global Commodity Analytics, for a midday analysis of the trade. And Mike, corn has started to turn around. Not the most exciting export numbers coming in. Less than half a million metric tons. But yet, China was a big buyer this morning. Nearly 600,000 metric tons for the next market here, which starts just literally right around the corner. So overall, a little bit of pullback here at the midday session, but kind of still a bullish tone to these commodity markets. Yeah, I mean, I think the key here is still the supply side, Clay. I think until we get the rains and until we know what the crop conditions say this afternoon, the trade's probably going to be very wary of wanting to sell too deeply this market. However, um, we have gone kind of parabolic in these markets, the corn and beans both, and even wheat has joined up with that, and we don't have all just point-blank positive news when it comes to, like you said, the weekly export inspections uh, down 9% versus last week in the wheat, down 55% versus the corn, and 35% versus the soybeans. Stats Canada's August numbers came out this morning. They look very strong. I think they're going to have one of the biggest wheat crops in 100 years is their expectations. Uh, So you do have some other things out there that are not feeding the bull. We probably need to feed the bull given the way the charts look in this parabolic move. And that is one thing. Commodity bulls are not ones that are able to stay full long. They need that constant attention. Now, one thing positive, the Fed is still having influence over the dollar this week as we're near those two-year lows, and that euro has quickly rebounded higher as well. So that's got to still set us out fairly strong going into the next marketing year from an export perspective. Yeah, that's probably the most important thing when it comes to the soybeans especially. Um, now, the, the real has started, the Brazilian real has started to find some weakness against the dollar here in midday trade. But this is a major feature because we still have that South American bean market as a key leader to the upside. And today we've seen the Brazilian port price in Paranagua jump to over $417 a ton. That compares to our price of around 390 so we're still keeping a distant, you know, 20 30 $40 discount against Brazil. So as long as Brazil keeps going up, it's likely that the bean downside is going to be relatively shallow. So it's, it's a battle right now with the crop conditions, probably the biggest feature to the shortest-term trade in the next 24 hours. Midday weather models are a bit wetter, especially west, excuse me, east of the Missouri River and then very much wetter uh, east of the Mississippi River. Over in the cattle, we've actually started to come back around here with even just some light selling and some of those deferred lean home contracts. Despite the fact we're going into Labor Day, we're going into the end of that summer grilling season, and already analysts talking about maybe a pullback in overall slaughter levels. So what's bringing this support back through? Well, I think the two biggest things in the short term have been the chart support has held on the big-time monthly, weekly charts, and also the cash future spreads for both the fats and the feeders are very tight, have narrowed up nicely as the August fats expire today and uh, August feeders did last week. I think we've got the start of the week, end of the month, short covering by the funds that's really driving this. I wonder also, to contrast some of the fundamentals you pointed out, Clay, whether the Taiwan-U.S. pork beef trade deal is finally getting some attention or Taiwan's going to take U.S. pork and beef again. Mike, I just got a buzz on my phone. I open it up, and it's Global Commodity Analytics with a quick mid-morning brief. If someone signs up for the free trial, are they included in blasts like this for that up-to-the-date information? Yeah, they are, and a lot of the people like you and the media will probably get my weekly update a little bit later than what the clients and subscribers get to. So I do have a blackout period where the clients and subscribers get everything first. There we go. Mike Zuzlo, Global Commodity Analytics. And get in on this, and it's breaking news, and it's cutting edge. That's globalcomresearch.com. Mention the Rural Radio Network for a two-week free trial. To remember, trading futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors.
When bad weather happens, you can rely on KRVM. We are your home for up-to-the-minute coverage of flooding. And a flooded south part of Kearney. Doesn't look like any of these roads are going to open anytime soon. Tornadoes. Three tornado warnings that are in effect right now, and two of them until 745. This storm that has spawned these tornadoes has now grown. And severe weather impacting our listing area. The southern part of this tornadic thunderstorm could be moving back through the Farnham area in the next few minutes as well. We will be there to alert you to any significant weather events and we can take you to the scene with our reporters for in-moment experiences. Where we have the drone right now, we're facing to the south looking at Interstate 80 and literally right off as you head north into Kearney. This is why they have the interstate shut down. Water's over the road, so they don't want folks driving through that, obviously. With our social media pages, you can find photos, videos, and interviews in real time. Check out krvn.com for podcasts, interviews, and news stories. 880-KRVN. We are who you rely on when bad weather happens. Time for us to check in on our weather and uh, how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And cooler weather, certainly today, Paul Perkins, is, uh, boy, it was a, a nice crisp morning. Exactly. It got down to 36 this morning in Alliance. Oh, my so goodness. who knows? They may have seen some frost in some low-lying areas there. To go from where we were to just last week to that, it's just, what, just wonderful. Exactly. Now, that was not the nation's low. I did get down to like 16 above this morning in a very isolated part of Utah. So... I think it's. I'm not. It's a. It's a very unique name town. Okay. I, I, I can't think of <laughs> Somewhere it right in now. Utah, but, but, yeah. but it was 16 degrees. But yeah, oh, much wow. cooler on the temperatures. Uh, last week, worse. We had multiple days well into the 90s, and right now we still haven't even cracked 70 degrees in many locations. Most of us with temperatures right now mid 60s, some low 70s from central Kansas on into the eastern part of Kansas. And you received a phone call of a listener with a pretty hefty rainfall yeah he said that uh, east of fullerton uh, they've got about three and a half inches of rain last night it is so hard it, it rained so hard it blew the gravel off the road and so wow. yeah it was really something and there were some uh, isolated areas of some severe thunderstorms last night most likely a case there where just the thunderstorm parked itself over one certain area and, and dumped that, that big amount of rain but we did have some hefty rain totals uh, some nice rainfall totals in multiple locations. Stromsburg had uh, 70 hundredths of rain. Scotia, Spalding, York, Albion, and Anselmo, right around a half an inch of rain. Okay. St. Edward and Horneville had a third of an inch of rain. And nine miles to the northeast of Palmer, they had an inch 81, a cooperative weather obser- observation okay, there. Okay, so that would be kind of in that general vicinity. Exactly, and so. so it just, but that's the way it's been all year. It's yeah. been scattered storms. <laughs> yeah, most of us otherwise uh, pretty high and dry with those rains last night. In behind that cold, strong cold front that brought some severe weather to our area last night. Today's highs will be about 5 to 10 degrees cooler than average. Skies sunny today with some high pressure pushing in from the Dakotas. Scattered rain and thunderstorm chances return tonight into early tomorrow morning with some low pressure dropping southeast out of the Rockies. Not going to be a big rainmaker, though. Any rain amounts expected to be on the light side. Slightly better chances of rain will be found to the south of I-80 on into Kansas. Now, skies will clear by tomorrow afternoon for another pleasant day of highs in the 70s. So a nice couple of days here for you to go to the Nebraska State Fair. In behind a warm front and with the aid of some southwest winds, Wednesday temperatures spike to slightly warmer than usual. It's not going to last long, though. Dry passage of cold front drops our temperatures back to slightly below normal for 
Thursday and Friday. Ridge of high pressure will warm those temperatures up to some summer-like levels on Saturday. Sunday will be a transitional day to much cooler air for Labor Day. In the long-term forecast, the likelihood remains very high for Cooler than normal temperatures in Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the central and eastern U.S. this weekend through September 13th. Meaningful rainfall continues to not be on the horizon. Below normal rainfall likely this weekend through the 13th in Nebraska, Kansas, and the central U.S. Some good news if you are starting to harvest silage. Key weather factors driving the markets include ongoing dryness concerns in the western Midwest and indicators reaching La Nina levels in the Pacific Ocean. A strip of dryness from Iowa to Ohio continues to adversely affect some corn and soybeans. About 13% of the Midwest right now experiencing drought. But 61% of Iowa is experiencing some stage of drought. In the western Midwest, the prospects for crops continue a decline that began in the last six weeks. Heavy rain fell over northern and eastern areas of the Midwest this last weekend, but missed key areas of Iowa, Illinois, and northern Missouri. A few storms will move through this week, but rainfall likely to be more limited and scattered with little widespread help to help the corn and soybeans down the filling stage. In the southern plains, thunderstorms focused on eastern areas with soil moisture benefiting uh, a soil moisture benefit before planting for winter wheat begins. Western and southwestern areas of the plains still need some moisture. The drier areas will see mainly light rain this next week. This week in the northern plains will be drier and cooler, but the drier trend favoring the spring wheat harvest. Soil moisture in the northern plains mainly adequate for row crops now in their late stages. The closely tracked Pacific Ocean indicator is now in the La Nina stage. The effects of a La Nina do include a drier fall season in the northern hemisphere and increased rain chances for eastern Australia wheat areas, but also long-term effects could mean 2021 could be dry just like 2012 here. So hopefully it's not that bad, but that's some indicators that it could be that way. I don't I don't like the sound of that very no, much. No, that was a very dry year this year. I was not, I'm not surprised, you know, because we, it looked like things were starting to set up for a La Nina, but... Uh, uh, Yep. Now, now that we know, uh, yeah, some something to watch there. All right, thank you very much, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. Friday in the Fields is back with the farm team here on the Rural Radio Network, brought to you by First National Bank. We'll tag along near Henderson, Nebraska this year with Matthew Hebner. He's a producer that grows corn and soybeans in the area, and he's been experimenting with relay cropping. Hi, this is Susan Littlefield. I'm going to be going just up the road and around the corner to my neighbors, Tom and Devin Vidichka, just outside of Surprise, as we talk to this father-son duo about corn, beans, and seed corn. Hey there, Clay Patton, and I'm heading west to the UNL Research Station at North Platte. There we'll be following the actual and virtual fields of the 2020 TAP program. So be sure to tune in every Friday during the midday for Fridays in the Field, brought to you by First National Bank. If you miss it on air, don't worry. You can catch it as a podcast as well through our website at ruralradio.com and also the video link as well to see what our farmers are up to. It's Fridays in the Field on the Rural Radio Network. A former Miss Rodeo Nebraska is now giving back to the rodeo royalty community. Eva Oliver, Miss Rodeo Nebraska 2019, is excited to offer the first annual Punchy But Pretty Clinic. Oliver says the clinic will be an opportunity for girls to improve on a variety of skill sets. We are going to be doing a lot of hands-on learning 
with the participants. That's our main goal is that we wanted the girls to be able to do real life things. So we're going to be working on things like written tests. They're going to take an actual written test to modeling one-on-one to actually practicing and formulating an impromptu speech to even going through a series of mock interviews. I have some pretty esteemed fake judges put together for the girls to be interviewed by. And then what we're most excited about would be the very last day of the clinic. And this whole entire day is going to be dedicated to horsemanship. Oliver says the horsemanship portion of the clinic will be very unique. What I've done is I have selected about 12 horses from the surrounding area of which are varying levels is the best way I can put it. Girls are very used to just getting on a horse that push button or super broke or super easy. And the harsh reality is, is when you have to do draw horsemanship at a rodeo queen pageant, or if you do have a title and you're borrowing a horse, you're extremely fortunate and you thank God when you get a good horse. So I wanted to give these girls a real-life experience of what the real world is like in being a queen, and it's that you hardly ever draw the horse you want. So I'm excited to get these girls on a variety of different horses and just get them in the real life and really work on some true horsemanship skills. Oliver will serve as a lead clinician throughout the clinic, but will be joined by Miss Rodeo America 2020, Jordan Tierney. What makes this clinic unique, I think, is the one we have a limit limited number of girls so you are getting a lot of one-on-one hands-on practice with your clinicians so one we put a cap on it which we thought was extremely important that way we could really let the girls leave with a lot of information and one never has this been done before where two past state queens and a miss in america wanted to put on a clinic i'm putting on the clinic jordan's just my guest and i'm super excited about that but hardly ever do you see them working together so you're getting two girls that are fresh out of the game and know what the culture is like and that's what we want is we want to keep up with the times and show girls how rodeo queen is changing because it's always evolving so we're just a breath of fresh air we like to think of a lot of new information to get up to these girls Oliver says she had many great mentors throughout her time as a rodeo queen and hopes to serve as a mentor to the participants at the clinic. I had numerous influential women who played a role in my career as Miss Rodeo Nebraska. Cedar Peterson, Robin Worth, Lisa Posey Jamison, Janet Jensen, all were extremely beneficial to me. And I thank my lucky stars for those girls who really helped paved my path for me and showed me the way when I didn't know. So I am so excited to pay it back and be that light for other girls. I just know that I never would have reached the point in my year as Miss Rodeo Nebraska that I did without those women. And I just want to help girls grow and be them their best selves, not just during their rodeo queen years, but for years to come. Once again, that was Eva Oliver, Miss Rodeo Nebraska 2019, sharing information about the punchy but pretty Rodeo Queen Clinic that will take place October 3rd and 4th in Valentine, Nebraska. Broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Rebel Seclocha on the Rural Radio Network. Time for midday sports. Our own Scott Foster is back in and well, Scott, it was another busy weekend in, in sports and mm-hmm. high school basketball. Basketball. I see uh, <laughs> basketball go. coming up here in a moment. Uh, we'll talk yeah. about that here 
Uh, but football, uh, yeah. there was softball around Nebraska, so that was encouraging, and it seems like everything kind of went off without a hitch. I hope so. You know, now, as we always do in COVID land, we wait a couple weeks and see sure, if yeah. anything happens. But uh, uh, our games went off very well, uh, and uh, I, it was great to have... It was just great to have sports back and and uh, to see the competition again. So and again, let's just hope it continues. Like all the coaches have said, they're just taking it game by game, week mm-hmm. by week. That's all I can do. Absolutely. Well, you know, talking about college sports, after a nice week by Scott Frost and the Husker football team in the recruiting uh, arena, Nebraska baseball coach Will Bolt continues to find success on the recruiting trail. Lincoln Southeast Max. Buttonback, tough name, but you might go with Butenback. I'm not sure which way they're ver- verbally committed to the Huskers over the weekend. He is the third known recruit for the Huskers in the 2023 class. The six foot, 185 pounder made himself hard to ignore with the Nebraska Prospects Club team this summer, hitting 500 with a 616 on base percentage in 29 games. That's that's good. It's, uh, that's Ted Williams uh, that, type numbers there. <laughs> that'll get you noticed. <laughs> that'll get you. At noticed. least he's standing in state. Uh, if he, if thank he, you. If he ends up being something, you know, right. at the college level, then hey, there you go. At least we got him. Bolt must be a pretty good talker. He must. He gets those guys. Yeah, well, so well, good start for him. And absolutely. eventually, when we actually see him coach at Nebraska, whenever that may be, <laughs> hopefully next year soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a sad day for sports. One of the one of the greats, one of the icons, really in coaching. Uh, John Thompson passed away at the age of seventy eight. Thompson turned Georgetown into Hoya Paranoia, powerful, and became the first black coach to lead a team to the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship and win it. His death was announced today in a family statement. No details were disclosed. Thompson took over a bad Georgetown program in the 70s and molded it into a perennial contender, culminating with a national championship team anchored by Patrick Ewing, 1984. And the thing I remember about John Thompson, six foot ten, he yeah. was huge himself. It, he just towered over the Hoyas in the program. One of the more interesting uh, ESPN 30 on 30s is when they talk about the Big East, when the Big East was great mm. in basketball, and, and John Thompson's a big part of that. Well, and it's interesting. Things have come full circle because Ewing is now the head coach at oh, Georgetown. Oh, that's right. Yes. And Georgetown has struggled here in the last several years, so maybe uh, Ewing can learn from his, right. his old coach and turn things around again. And who did Ewing take over for but John Thompson's grandson, John Thompson III, oh, that's I right. believe. Was I there. think you're right. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. News from the NFL, the Jacksonville Jaguars have waived running back Leonard Fournette, who was uh, the savior of the program for a little while. It's a stunning decision that gets the team closer to purging Tom Coughlin's tenure. The team spent months trying to trade the fourth overall pick in the 2017 NFL Draft. Fortnite clears waivers. He would become a free agent. He's due $4.17 million in salary if someone claims him. So all you fantasy football people, if you have Fortnite as a keeper, you may want to look at it. Baseball trade deadline is today at 3 o'clock and always exciting this time of year. But one team seems to be uh, participating even more, the San Diego Padres, who I know you are a big fan of. In, uh, in the last 48 hours, Tyler, have acquired nine players and traded away 15. Do you have anybody left? <laughs> They're all going away. They're all, the, all those guys that were sitting there waiting in non-minor league playing now might have a chance to play. Padres have made more moves to demonstrate that they are prepared to challenge for a playoff berth, if not the NL West title. So we'll see. But their big one just came in just a few moments ago. Mike Clevenger. 
pitcher from the Cleveland uh, Indians who was expected to be kind of one of the coveted guys uh, was just picked up by the Padres. They traded away six. Huge, much like the Chicago White Sox, big farm team, highly respected farm system, and uh, they figured, hey, we'll go shopping with some of those guys. I could see you sitting at your computer before mm-hmm. you came in here smiling, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. uh, writing this out. <laughs> Maybe a little giggle because it was, I believe, what was the score yesterday between the Rockies and the Padres? Oh, hang on, I can't. Let me turn off. What so you say? Your mic's not working? Mike, it was something's happening to my mic. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'll let you enjoy this. It's not often that you. we talk about the Padres this late in the year. That's true. It's so, absolutely. Uh, they're usually mathematically eliminated. Goodness gracious. All right, oh, good, good, good job for them. And again, trade deadline is at 3 p.m. today. Yes, it is. So, just a couple hours. Thank you very much. Twelve thirty-one here at KRVN, which means it is now time for midday news. And our own Ellen Simmons is joining us. And Ellen, how was the weekend? It was good. Beautiful, good. beautiful. And uh, it is cool now, which is weird that it was warm. <laughs> it is where, weird. Where you were, it was nice and warm and muggy, but uh, here it's cool. Yeah, and when we got home on Saturday night, it was perfect weather. You were kind of in the <laughs> south, so that's why yeah. it was muggy there. Yeah. So interesting. All right, very good. Well, uh, what do we have so far in news to start us off on this Monday? Well, the biggest concern with the COVID-19 pandemic is becoming can- contaminated, and that is why the CDC urges better hand hygiene. Some may go as far as wearing gloves for a barrier while shopping. University of Nebraska Medical Center Dr. James Lawler explains why gloves may not be necessary. So gloves certainly can provide barrier protection to prevent your hands from becoming contaminated, and we always worry about hands transmitting virus to mucous membranes. However, if you are touching your face with your gloves, it's essentially the same effect as touching them with your contaminated hands. I think it's probably okay just to use hand hygiene as a strategy for preventing uh, hands from contaminating your face and mucous membranes. If gloves make you feel more comfortable or if they provide a reminder or a cue for you to practice better hand hygiene, then I think that's a, a good idea too, but I don't think gloves are necessary. Nebraska is launching a new campaign to promote local agricultural companies to foreign countries, uh, many of whom are the state's biggest customers. The new campaign is called Nebraska Straight from the Good Life and will be managed by the State Department of Agriculture. Agricultural companies that are based in Nebraska or have a significant presence in the state will be allowed to participate for free. Agriculture in Nebraska's largest industry and many of its farm and ranch products go to Asian and European nations. Governor Pete Ricketts says the Agriculture Department frequently receives requests from international and domestic purchasers looking for specific products. Omaha police are investigating a weekend shooting in which a man told officers he accidentally shot his wife while unpacking from a trip. Police say the shooting happened around 3 p.m. Sunday at a home in south-central Omaha. Police say the 57-year-old woman was shot in the abdomen and taken to an Omaha hospital in critical condition. The 60-year-old husband told officers his handgun, handgun accidentally went off as he was unpacking in it. Neither the woman's name nor her husband's name have been re- released. Work began Monday on Nebraska Highway 2 in Grant County from Hyannis to Whitman, according to the Nebraska Department of Transportation. Paulson Inc. of Cozad has the nearly $5.2 million contract. Work includes asphalt millings, surfacing, asphalt curb and flumes, along with grading and earth shouldering. Traffic will be maintained with lane closures with flaggers and a pilot car with 
reduced speed zones. A 12-foot width restriction will be in place during construction. Anticipated completion is November 2020. Motorists are reminded to drive cautiously and near work zones to buckle up and to put, foot, put phones down. You can find more news at krbn.com. Thank you very much. For many 4-Hers and their families, this past weekend was more than loading up livestock, heading to Grand Island, and headed to the show ring. It was about being together with friends they've made over the years of showing here. It was about normal. Something normal in this chaotic world that we've been in that gave them a sense of normalcy in their young lives. And with that... The show rings were filled with smiles and excitement as they walked in with their animals. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. After the stalls had been closed, the fans had been packed away, headed down the road. Brandy Schultz and I sat down to talk about this weekend and the experience. Brandy is the 4-H Livestock Superintendent, of course, working with UNL Extension as well. She shared with me her thoughts as she looked back on three very exciting days. Susan, as soon as people drove up to unload their their livestock, whether it be hogs, cattle, sheep or goats, rabbits or poultry, they just walked in just, you could just tell grateful. They're just happy to be here. They were refreshed to see people. They were just happy to be with their show families that they see every year. You know, it is a tradition, it's a reunion. Um, Just so much gratitude, so much happiness. I, I can't even get over just how happy people were. I will tell you from facilities to, you know, make everyone across the safe air board just said, wow, people were just happy this year. They were calmer. Um, they were just, I just said, they were just so excited, I think, just to be here. Not to say anything, but typically people complain. But this year, Susan, less and less people complain. I just think there was a lot of happiness um, in all the barns. So I'm happy that they are happy. And the quality of livestock was right where it is always. It's amazing. You would think that maybe with, you know, the pandemic and the financial piece of that and the economy and, but it wasn't. These lambs, these goats, these hogs, these cattle, like they could go against anything across the, across the country. Top notch livestock. And every judge said it. Wow. Nebraska State Fair. They brought it. Not only did they have a fair, but they brought the heat with the quality of livestock. And it just amazes me. I'm so proud of them. I always brag to people across the country, like, Nebraska brings it. And once again, in 2020, they brought it once again. Do you think you've got some colleagues across the nation that were watching what was happening this weekend, maybe a little bit of envy because we had a state fair, but at the same time going, okay, look what Nebraska did. How can we replicate that? Yeah, I, you know, families, exhibitors, educators, colleagues, yes. They're like, wow, you're having a fair? They couldn't believe that we're having a fair. And like, this is important to us. We're going to have a fair. You know, other states did expositions and, and youth shows too, but we still call this the Nebraska Safe Fair. This was still the Nebraska Safe Fair. I think they, they were a bit, you know, uh, envious of that. Uh, but uh, at the same time, they were cheering us on. They were happy for us too. So I hope that every state that had a youth show and exhibition of some sort had the great experience that they did. Um, I'm just, I just said, I'm just happy that we were able to have that. And so I think we're all the same team. We all want everyone to be successful and happy. And so I'm sure a lot of people are really happy for us. And finally, it was a split weekend, as we know, 4-H the first, FFA will be the second. 
Uh, my understanding is survey will be coming to, to 4-H members who showed at the state fair? Absolutely, and for FFA too. So, you know, Susan, initially I was opposed to doing this. I wanted it to be 4-H and FFA, sheep and, sheep and goats the first weekend, FFA um, and 4-H swine and cattle the second weekend because a lot of these youth do both organizations, and that could be potentially tough for them to have to make that decision um, to split and then but really we did the split was because of spacing in the barns we wanted to give more space and not um, decrease uh, entry limits for those exhibitors turn to find out this was a, a wonderful surprise of just how great the split was I really think that people liked it I got a lot of, I got a lot of comments on that but we want to hear from everybody so exhibitors, 4-H and FFA, when the show's over, you're gonna get you're gonna get a survey. We want to hear from you. What did you like? What are some challenges you, that you thought you faced because of the split weekend? Would you like to see this again? So uh, we'll have to see what those what the survey says. But I'm I'm looking forward to that personally. It was wonderful. So I think everyone would agree that the amount of space that was provided and the and the different show schedule in the ring was wonderful. So. I, uh, at the end of the day, I just hope everyone had a great experience, and I hope that's something that they continue to say from here into next State Fair. So if you could change one thing for next year, what would it be? I would tell Mother Nature to be a little cooler on Friday of load-in day, but I don't think I get an option of that. So I have, I have no changes, I would say, uh, of the fair itself. It was wonderful. It was great. Great families, great staff great volunteers, great extension educators, assistants and staff, great announcers. So we're just a one big great team. So I wouldn't change anything, Susan. 4-H and FFA dairy show next week. We have FFA shows. So we, uh, we're we all about it. So it's uh, a few days off for 4-H and FFA use unless they're doing the open class shows. And then we're coming back again for the second weekend. So once again, though, it's only three, three days of really a lot going on. And uh, hopefully our families that are coming back next week can get some rest and relaxation and then come back again with the same excitement and come again for FFA weekend. That was my conversation with Brandy Schultz. She is the 4-H Livestock Superintendent right here at the Nebraska State Fair. I'm Susan Littlefield, the Rural Radio Network. With the business report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are mostly lower on Wall Street today after the market gave back some of its recent gains from a five-week winning streak. The S&P 500 was off two-tenths of a percent as declines in banks and industrial stocks offset more gains for big technology companies. The benchmark index is still on track to end August with its fifth monthly gain in a row and its biggest since April. It was the first day of trading after stock splits for Apple and Tesla and also the first trading day for a revamped Dow Jones Industrial Average. United Airlines says it's dropping a controversial $200 fee on consumers who change a ticket for travel within the U.S. The airline also says that starting in January, customers can fly standby for free no matter what kind of ticket they bought. United said Sunday that when it hears from customers, getting rid of fees is often their top request. Chinese telecom giant Huawei is ending its oldest major sporting sponsorship deal in the world. A nine-year relationship with Australian rugby league team Canberra Raiders. Huawei says it's ending the contract with the team because of a great trade war between China and Australia. 
Australia has barred the world's largest maker of switching gear and a major smartphone brand from involvement in crucial national communication infrastructure in recent years. Billionaire investor Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway has taken stakes of just over 5% in five major Japanese trading houses in what it says is a long-term investment. Share prices of the five huge companies surged between 4% and 9.5% today in Tokyo after the company announced the investment. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. As harvest gets underway, we want to hear from you. Starting the week of September 7th through the end of October, we're going to have conversations from the cab. We encourage you to be a part of this conversation by texting us at 402-710-9706 and say, Hey Susan, let's have that conversation about how my harvest is going. That number again, 402-710-9706. It's Conversations from the Cab on 880 KRVN. There's now a new branding program from the Nebraska Department of Agriculture for products grown and made in the state. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting. That branding program was revealed earlier this morning, and it's called Nebraska, Straight from the Good Life. Director of Ag Steve Wellman explains why they decided to develop the program. Nebraska's farmers and ranchers consistently lead the nation and are some of the best in the world in producing agricultural products. Uh, many of these grains and meat products are, uh, are raised here in Nebraska, but they're also processed here in Nebraska to add value and to make them ready for consumers across the world. And it's those companies that partner with our farmers and ranchers, buy their products, process their products. It's those companies that are located here in Nebraska, at least headquartered or a significant presence here, that we want to feature in, in our uh, branding campaign, Nebraska Straight from the Good Life. Their products may be food products, maybe bulk grain commodity products. They may be uh, farm equipment or irrigation equipment or maybe services that they provide uh, here in the United States but also can offer those services like for genetics and, and other things uh, throughout the world. We really expect this program to be something that serves those companies and in turn serves Nebraska and our farmers and ranchers. We want it to be useful for the companies so they can promote themselves. We want it to be useful for the potential customers so they can be educated and informed about what Nebraska has to offer and about what these companies have to offer to serve their consumers and the, and the people that those companies uh, overseas are trying to uh, to feed and provide services for. Director Wellman said the Nebraska Straight from the Good Life program will launch with a catalog of program participants and there will also be an online element. This will be uh, mostly electronic, but we can make uh, printed copies. And basically what it is, each company gets one page dedicated to their company. They can provide all the information that they want to, whether it's about uh, the history of their company, where they're located specifically in Nebraska, uh, what their uh, the sales contact information is for their salespeople and the products they offer and where they're going to offer those. Sometimes uh, companies uh, specifically market to certain areas of the world and this will help not only us as the Department of Agriculture as we go out and promote these companies and products but also help those consumers if they're online and the, uh, they can find out the information about the potential customers, um, potential companies I should say that provide the services that they're looking for. So we hope that this is uh, basically, again, useful for the companies to promote themselves and useful for our potential customers 
we also plan to use this with our governor trade missions, Department of Ag trade missions. We'll, we'll hand, make this uh, open to whoever we meet with in any of these uh, trade missions. We'll share them with the Department of Economic Development and other government agencies. And really, hopefully, this is a useful tool that uh, brings in light to uh, potential customers what Nebraska has to offer. And we look forward to uh, utilizing these materials, promoting our agricultural companies uh, from Nebraska, and remember Nebraska straight from the good life. Director Wellman said there are currently over 30 companies taking part in the program, which is open to all companies located in Nebraska or that have a significant presence in the state. There's no cost to apply for or remain in the program, and if it's something you're interested in, just go to nda.nebraska.gov backslash goodlife. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Play Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. And John, as we look here at the grain settlements as they start to roll in, some green on the screen with wheat and soybeans, corn a little bit lower. How much is riding this afternoon on this continued bullish momentum on crop conditions and for them to drastically drop from last week? I think to make the market really flush, we need to see some forecast change. But to have it stop going up would certainly be a possibility. I think if you get a negative number tonight, I don't think you chase it. And if you get a positive number, I don't think you chase it either. Uh, Sunday night, last night's a good example. I mean, we closed green, like you said, but it feels almost like we were red because we were so, we're so far up the high now. And I just have, I, I've got mixed feelings on those overnight trades. For I like the transparency to see where markets are, but I tend to make mistakes using them. So I think, again, there's a lot of ways on these reports, but I don't know if you're going to see the market really gyrate too far from here. In the case of corn, China bought today, which is true, you know, good sign that there's somebody out there who wants to buy it. I do think that the, you know, the open market here is going to need to prepare a little quicker for harvest because of the dryness. Uh, and then on the soybean side, that's where the potential yield kind of problem could come in. Um, but I don't know if, you know, we're going to see the USDA admit to it as much as possible. And in the, in the reality sense of things, it's still, a, you know, hamstrung by, by prices in Brazil, they're going to be resisted by more supply. So, um, you know, I'd be more of a fade here, but I would have said that 20 cents ago. So it's tough for me to want to, you know, change tune uh, 20 higher. Bearish, I'm bearish based off what I know, and I think there's a crop that's, you know, there outside of that central area, Iowa area. You know, and we look today as well. We're first notice day on those September contracts. If history has told us anything in the recent months, first notice day is not a time to be long. No, it isn't. And a really good. You know, perception here. For something like myself has been selling in first notice day. It certainly hasn't been a good, good period. Um, my hope is, or hope, I guess. I guess I don't want to say hope, but from a short position side, uh, you know, you, you hope that the the market finds supply here uh, via delivery, and then that pushes prices down. It's kind of the opposite factor on the other side of it. But uh, I, I think wheat being higher today early, you could see corn really could follow. But then as the day went on, it, it just it's going to lack up, upward momentum. You can make a case for early bullish bean prices based off of crush being very solid and, of course, exports to China being great. But in corn, I mean, you're still you're fighting tremendous tailwinds. I mean, headwinds. You've got them in all sectors, whether it be feed or, or ethanol, and even to the export side, you know, some, we've, got, we've got issues there. So I think you got to be moving corn here sooner rather than later. 
And again, John Payne. Find more at DanielZagMarketing.com. That's where you can check out his newsletter this week in grain. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involves risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up today's midday program. If you missed anything, you can rehear all of our interview segments on our midday podcast sponsored by DeBenny Motors. That can be found at krvn.com or on iTunes.